right, are you ready for the word this morning? Amen. I love the theme that God has had us in this month and even in worship today. It's about pushing back the enemy, amen, and being victorious and who you are in Christ and knowing your weapons and how to use those weapons. We are in a battle, but praise God, we're already victorious in that battle, amen? So today, I'm going to teach you on who your enemy is. I'm going to talk to you about three different enemies uh, that we experience. There's more, but these are the three kind of main ones that attack your spiritual growth, your spiritual development, kind of the plans and purposes of God. But I'm going to focus on these three enemies. But I'm also going to focus on weapons to defeat those enemies, all right? So we have a lot to go through today. God's given us lots of weaponry, and I can't preach all of them in one day, though I would love to. I'm going to focus on some of the key elements on how to use some of the weapons that God has given us today. So grab your Bibles, grab your notebooks, and let's get on into the scripture this morning, all right? Open up your Bibles, if you would please, to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, that's where we're going to start. Who is our enemy? I'm going to give you three today. Write these three down and I'm going to break them down into different categories and teach on them. Number one, the devil. Number one, the devil. He's real. Some people pretend like he's not there. He doesn't care if you think he's there or not. <laughs> he's still going to steal, kill, and destroy, even if you don't believe in him. Isn't that amazing? There is a devil. Number two, the spirit of the age. We're going to talk about the spirit of the age. And number three, your old self and your old lower nature. So that's the same. Your old self, your old lower nature. Let's talk about these three and then the weapons we have to defeat them. Ephesians chapter 6. Let's look at verse 12. Let's look at verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. Maria brought this out last week when she taught, but there is a battle going on that many people are not aware of because they cannot see it with their physical eye. And so that's why we come to church so many times is to understand how things work and to understand what's going on. And so many times we get stuck in the natural and you might think or be tempted to believe that your enemy is the person sitting next to you. Or your enemy is that person at the office that's challenging or buffeting you. Or your enemy is that person that is somewhere in the media world or somewhere in the governmental world or somewhere in the physical realm. There is a war and an enemy that you can't see, but it's very real. Are you understanding that? And there is a battle and there's a wrestling that takes place. It's not just a, a, hey, we had a good prayer time and it's finished. There is kind of an ongoing back and forth and it's something to be aware of. And the enemy, the devil, plays in that arena. That is real. Now, sometimes people might like to believe the devil isn't real and just ignore him, but that is really going on according to the scripture. This is not just a pastor or a preacher trying to scare people or spook people into something. This is the word of God saying there is a battle that you don't see, but it's real. Are you understanding that? There is a battle that you don't see, but it is very real. And we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So when you stay in the natural and you don't use the spiritual weaponry that God has given us, you cannot defeat this enemy with natural means. It also means that the, the wisdoms of this world and the natural things you learned in education or the ways that you would have operated, just what you learned in school or university, that's not going to be enough. Because there's spiritual weapons that need to be implemented to defeat these spiritual enemies. Are you understanding that? And so the Word of God makes those things clear to us. The spirit of the age. In Ephesians chapter 2, just kind of breaking down these enemies, 
Ephesians chapter 2, there is a spirit of the age. It's not just the devil himself, but you know what? Your culture can have a spirit that's kind of moving in the culture, and there's a mindset that permeates the society that you live in. Different countries have different spirits that kind of have a sound to them and kind of a movement in them, and you can go to different countries of the world and you can kind of pick it up on the inside. There's a kind of a collective belief system. There's kind of collective expectations and, and collective attitudes, and there's a spirit of an age. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, from the Amplified, Amplified Classic Version. Come on now, we're getting spiritual with the Amplified Classic Version. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. In which at one time you walked, the Bible's talking about who you used to be, you walked habitually, you were following the course and the fashion of this world. You were under the sway and the tendencies of this present age. Do you see that in Scripture? There is tendencies, there is a sway of an age. And if you're not careful, you'll be carried along with it down the current of that river. So when you're, when you're watching social media and you're watching television and you're listening to every talking head that's out there, be careful because you can get swept away into the spirit of an age rather than being led by the spirit of God. But the sons and daughters of God, we are led by the spirit of God, not by the spirit of an age. Amen. And we need to know how to interpret, how to identify. See, but we have this gift, discerning of spirits. Come on now. God has given you everything you need for life and godliness, my friend, but it's about development, it's about using them, about being aware, to identify the spirit of an age, identify the spirit of God, and when they split, and I'm going with the spirit of God. But there is a tendency to this present age, and that tendency of an age following the prince of the power of the air. See, because in the natural, the spirit of an age naturally doesn't just follow God naturally. It follows the devil who is the prince of the power of the air. You were obedient to and under the control of the demon spirit that still constantly works in sons of disobedience, the careless, the rebellious, the unbelieving who go against the purposes of God. And so being swept away in the spirit of the age, now there's, I'm not talking about trends like skinny jeans and hairstyles and blue hair, red hair, no hair, whatever. I'm not talking about trends, I'm talking about a spirit, I'm talking about an attitude. You know, you can go through the generations and there's a rebellious spirit in certain generations, there's this kind of anything goes spirit in certain generations and certain spirit. There's kind of this anger and hostility and rebe rebelliousness in certain generations. We have to identify those things. They're not going with the spirit of God, they're going to destruction. But if we're not careful, we can just start picking it up because we live in the spirit of that age. And then your old self or your lower nature, that's your third enemy. Open up your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 12, verse 7. Romans chapter 12, verse 7. I've got so much scripture for you today. I love it. Get ready to use your Bible. Can I hear an amen on that? We love the word of God. Romans chapter 7, verse 15. Just identifying that there is an old self that you war with. There is this lower nature that is still there that you war with. Now let me say something. You may war with it, but you are a victor over it. But it does try to war with you. It does try to come back. Romans chapter 7. This is the Apostle Paul. Say Apostle Paul. 
This is the Apostle Paul. He's the apostle that had a great revelation of the grace of God. And here he is talking about this war. Romans chapter 7, verse 15. He says this, I don't really understand myself. This is the Apostle Paul. I love this. For I want to do what's right. But I don't do it. Has anyone ever felt that before? How many of you have wanted to do what's right by God, but you still find yourself doing what you don't want to do? Anybody? You're all identifying with Apostle Paul. Instead, I do what I hate. See, so Paul, the Apostle of grace, mighty man of God, he's saying, I know what I should do, but I keep doing what I don't want to do. I keep acting like that old man. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So it's like he knows what's right and he knows what's wrong. He's been delivered. He's got a new nature now. See, when you're dead in your sin, you're not even aware of the sins that you're doing. You're like, this is just life. Life is sin. This is just what we do. But then you get a new nature and a new heart towards God, and your new heart towards God wants to please God. The Bible says that. That's that new creation. You want to do what's right. You want to please God, but then you still find this old self popping up. So I am not the one doing the wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. Now, I'll qualify this later. He can't do it on his own. All right? But with Christ, how many of you know all things are possible? Amen? I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. And so Paul just begins to identify again and again that here he is, a mighty man of God. Here he is, saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. But there is this war with your old self, with your old nature. So we're going to talk about these enemies. We're going to talk about how to defeat them. But I want to kind of throw it out there that today is about identifying your enemies and realizing that there are hazards and traps, hazards and traps that the enemy would set up for us to be tripped up. How many of you are golfers in the room? Are there any golfers in the room? Raise your hand like you're praising the Lord. There you go. There's about 12 of you, 15, 20. Awesome. Now, I would like to believe I'm a golfer, um, but you'll find out very quickly if you take me golfing that we will not fellowship at all because you'll be down the, what is that, the green, the fairway, and I'll be off in the bushes, I'll be over here, I'll be over there. We'll see each other in the clubhouse and we'll have a sandwich because I am by myself with Jesus playing golf. But what I want us to see in part of how we fight, this is how we fight, is that though the devil has strategies and schemes and temptations, there's, it's like golf, where there's these hazards in the green, in the fairway. There's water hazards and there's traps, sand traps. And what you try to do, even though they're there, you just outgrow them. You see them and you make the adjustments and you overcome them. I don't even want to swing this because you're going to judge my swing. See? But when there's hazards and when there's traps, do you get scared? Does it make you feel as if there's no way to defeat those things? No. I don't see guys on the, on the fairway um, sitting there going, oh my goodness, there's a trap set for me. And sometimes we get so focused on the devil is setting traps. He's setting traps. The devil's out to get you. The devil's setting traps. There's hazards out there. The world has hazards. The world has hazards. My friend, you don't have to be afraid of the devil. You don't have to be afraid of the spirit of the age because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. 
Amen? And so in talking about identifying the enemy and identifying traps, I want you to almost start seeing it with the same concept of, yeah, there's traps there. Yes, there's hazards in this world. But I'm not going to walk through this world paranoid, being like, oh, Jesus, I just want to hang on and make it to heaven. My friend, it's not about just hanging on and making it to heaven. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You don't just hang on. You take back the devil's territory. You push back darkness. Are you understanding what I'm saying? You don't got to be afraid. There was a kind of a generation of the church that we were always watching the devil. What's the devil going to do next? I want to watch the Holy Spirit. I want to watch Jesus. What's Jesus doing next? The devil's supposed to be catching up with me. I don't know. I'm not trying to play catch up with the devil. You understand? The devil cannot. He has been defeated. He cannot force you to do anything. He can tempt you. He can have strategies and traps and all these things. But just like that game of golf, you begin to learn how to maneuver around it. You begin to learn how to overcome it. And it's just about learning some skills. It's just about learning and strengthening some things. Isn't that good? It's not meant to be this big paranoia thing, like we have to go through 40 weeks of spiritual warfare training in order to make it. Are you understanding this? Amen. And so that's when today, when I'm talking about traps and I'm talking about hazards, we're not here to be afraid of traps and hazards. In identifying them, we'll learn the skills and the strategies to outgrow them and maneuver around them. Hazards and traps do not need to be feared. We're simply, we simply outgrow them by developing skills. I love this. They're simply a par for the course. <laughs> Get it? Par. Par. All right, we're moving on. Three enemies. Let's talk about those three enemies real quick. The devil. What do we do with the devil? How do we, how do we war and see the victory with the enemy, with the devil? Two things. Write this in your notes. Be aware of him and then resist him. Be aware of him. So you're conscious that there is a devil there. There is an enemy there, that he's real. So what we talked about. There is a warfare that's going on that is an unseen warfare. There are times that we get so stuck in the natural that we don't identify, wait a minute, this might be a spiritual thing. This might be an attack of the enemy. This might not just be the natural thing that, I'm, I'm that I see with my own eyes. There may be something else behind this. So the way we war with the enemy is, number one, be aware that he's there. And then we resist him. We resist him. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. So that Satan will not outsmart us. He is not smarter than you when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You have the mind of Christ. Amen. Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his schemes. But I also want to identify he does have schemes. He does. We have to be aware of this. It's not like he's just going to show up with a pitchfork and horns and a long tail, and he's all like red and all this stuff. You know, some of the schemes, I want you to be alert in this. Sometimes when the devil comes in to attack and to fight with you, he will... He will sounds so familiar to you. See, because sometimes the devil comes and he likes to throw thoughts into your head. And those thoughts can even sound like your own voice. Has any of me ever spoken to any of you before, tempted you before, and yet it sounds so natural? He doesn't sound like a demon. He sounds like an angel of light. He sounds soothing. He sounds like truth sometimes, even in the culture we're in. But I want us to identify that that's a scheme. 
He has devices. He has schemes. Be alert of these schemes. It will look, feel, seem real or natural to you, even like your own voice, your own head, but it's a scheme. It's a trap. That's why you have to identify what he's saying and judge it according to the word of God. Let me give you, for instance, the devil would love for you to look at yourself in the mirror and tell you you're not enough. Tell you that you're not beautiful. Tell you that you're not good enough. Tell you that God can't use you. And it sounds just like you. But you go back to the scripture, you go back to the word of God, and you hear that you are a child of God. And that you are loved. You're dearly loved by God. You know, even after you sin as a son and daughter of God, the devil would love to say, see, you've gone too far. God can't use you. And it sounds like your voice, doesn't it? It sounds like you speaking to yourself, and it makes logical sense. How could God use someone like me in his plan when I make mistakes all the time, or I keep messing up in the same area? See, it doesn't sound like the devil. It sounds like you, and it sounds like truth. But yet the Bible's very clear how God has made us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you know what? When we do sin, he's faithful and just. And he forgives us of our sins. And he cleanses us of unrighteousness. And God still speaks of hope and future over you. But that's the truth of the word of God. That's identifying the devil's voice trying to tempt you to believe a lie. But it doesn't sound like a lie. It sounds like truth. But it's a lie. Are you, are you with me this morning? Amen. I thought I would get a whole lot more amens by this point. I'm about 20% less in amens than I thought I would be getting by this point. So you're going to have to make up that 20% in the next 27 minutes. All right, or else you're going to be in amen deficit, and you're going to be in amen debt. And you don't want to be in debt. Amen? amen? Here you go. See, I just gave you a freebie. I just gave you a free amen freebie. Let's make up some of your amen deficit here. Okay. Open your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter. Let's keep talking about this. 1 Peter. You have an adversary, and we got to identify him and know what to do with him. 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, look at verse 8. Stay alert. Stay alert. Why? Because there's times that we're alert and there's times we are not alert. That's why it says stay alert. Stay alert. See, right now in church, you're on high alert. But go through the week, about Thursday, 3 o'clock in the afternoon when you're driving home, and all kinds of mind games, all kinds of doubt, all kinds of fear, all kinds of self-hate, all kinds of shame. Something bad happens and you believe a lie rather than trusting God in it. Stay alert. Stay alert. Amen. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Looking for someone to devour. Someone with their guard down. Someone open for devouring. Someone that's isolated themselves from the body of Christ because then they don't have any friends that will speak truth to them when they start believing a lie. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Are you with me now? People that move themselves out of the herd and out of the pack so that he, they can be easily picked off by a lie, by a temptation, by a fear. Verse 9, stand firm against him. I love it. It's just telling you just resist him. Stand firm. He will stop. If you stand firm on what God has said, if you stand firm on Jesus' grace and his righteousness and the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, he's going to flee. The devil will flee. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. The Bible's telling you what to do. He's not telling you to karate chop the devil. 
I remember there was a lady in our church back in Illinois, and she was, I think I shared this with you before, but it's worth saying. We were doing worship, and I saw her in the back of the church, and she was like, what? <laughs> and I went up to her, I was like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm fighting the devil. I'm like, no, you're not. But we make up all this stuff on how to fight the devil. The Bible tells us how to fight the devil. One way to fight the devil is to stand firm. Be immovable. Right? You don't realize that standing firm is resisting. Amen. You don't need to sit there and like punch him. You don't need to jujitsu Satan. Just stop being swayed all the time. Just stop being double-minded. Just stop believing every wind of doctrine. Just stand firm on what God said. Write it down. Make it plain. And no matter what you feel or what goes on in the world around you, you say, thus saith the Lord. My face is as flint. I trust you, Jesus. I am immovable in Jesus' name. Just stand firm. You don't have to do anything. Jesus already won. Jesus is already victorious. You just got to stand firm on it. You don't need a new revelation. You need to hold on to the revelation. Come on. There you go. Now you only got about 10% debt. All right. Stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. And also remember your family, the believers all over the world, they're going through the same kind of suffering. You're not alone. The devil would love to make you feel the only one going through trouble. You're the only one going through warfare. No, it's going on all over the place. And there's also story after story of victory all over the place. You're not the only one that's ever been tempted of the devil. You're not the only one that's ever been tempted by pornography or tempted by sin or tempted by addiction. You're not the only one that's ever battled sickness or battled whatever. And you can see story after story of God's faithfulness because people all over the world are overcoming the devil and all of his schemes. And you will too. Come on, give God praise. You will too. Be aware and resist. James chapter 4, verse 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You don't have to worry about the devil. You're going to run from the devil. The devil runs from you. But key point here is submit yourself to God. Submit yourself to God. You're not a God unto yourself. Thank the Lord for that. I'd be a terrible God. I would kill half the people that offended me and do all kinds of crazy things. Don't, don't look at me with judgment. You would too. Yes. You're like, well, Pastor Kevin, you're as righteous as me. No, I'm just more honest. Resist the devil. He will flee, but first you submit yourself to God. Submit yourself to his word. Get into alignment with his word. Get into alignment with the written word of God. Come on now. If you're living in offense and you're living in unforgiveness, go repent and go forgive. Submit yourself to God. Some people think submitting yourself to God is just I believe in Jesus. No, submitting yourself to God is being submitted to God. Get plugged into a church. Why? Because the Bible says, spare not the assembly of the brethren. Submit to God. Don't be out there on your own. Submit to God. Forgive. Submit to God. When it comes to think on these things. You know, the Bible talks about the things that we think about. Like, think on things that are good, holy, pure, just, honest, good report, any virtue of any praise. Think on these things. For some of you, submit to God is to turn off the news. Because you're thinking on all the fear and the garbage and all the stuff. It gets you all 
full of anxiety. You haven't even read your Bible. You haven't even spent any time with Jesus, but you spend a whole lot of time with the church of CNN or the church of Fox News or the church of whatever. Sorry if I offended you on that, but I'm not all that sorry, but I'm supposed to say that I'm sorry. <laughs> Submit to God. Submit to God. And then when you resist the devil, he flees from you. Amen. An unsubmitted life, there's open doors and there's things the devil will get in. You give place to the devil, the Bible says, by living in offense or living in anger. So you submit to God and you close that door. Amen. The spirit of the age. Let's go to the spirit of the age. Just jump a little further. Spirit of the age, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to look at verse 16. The spirit of the age, the age has the spirit, a spirit, the culture has a spirit to it. It changes different times, different seasons. Filter every belief and influence that the age will try to give you through the word of God. This is how we fight the spirit of the age. Filter every statement that Instagram superstars or YouTube superstars or people in governmental places, or people that say society should be this, or you should believe this. The spirit of the age, if you're not careful, you will just adopt the beliefs of an age. And I'm telling you, the natural tendency of an age is to believe in rebellion against God. An age does not naturally believe into obedience to God. It believes against God because they follow the spirit that leads that age, the prince of the power of the air, Satan, who is the god of this world, though they don't want to identify that he exists, they're still worshiping and serving him. So the spirit of an age will be a spirit that is in rebellion against God when left on its own. Did you follow me? And so the only way to protect yourself or to fight against the spirit of an age is to make sure that you filter every statement, every belief they're telling you to do, filter it through the truth, of the Word of God. The truth, the unchanging Word of God. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture is inspired by God, and it is useful to teach us. The Scripture will teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. So before you adopt a belief, before you adopt a behavior, before you adopt a, a whatever, opinion even, filter it through the word of God that will teach you what is true and what is false. It corrects us when we are wrong, teaches us to do what is right. God uses his word to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Isn't that good? Before you just adopt it, so, you know, this TikTok world, praise God for TikTok. Uh, I don't know why I said praise God for TikTok, but again, it, I feel like it's the right thing to say. If it's used for Jesus, praise God for TikTok. Some of you don't even know what TikTok is. You're like, it's the clocks on the wall? No, it's not that. It's a little app on your phone. Anyway, Kevin, get on track. But so much belief is coming through TikTok. What you're supposed to believe, young person, what, what you're supposed to rally around, what you're supposed to feel, like it, it, it's, it's not just entertainment. Are you understanding what I'm saying? 
like the movies and TV and, and Disney Plus and Netflix, my friend, it's not just entertainment anymore. They're shaping your belief. They're shaping your expectation. They're shaping what you feel you're allowed to do. They're face shaping what you feel is right or wrong. Filter it through God's word. Don't just accept it because it's on your phone. Are you kidding? Anyone, anyone can use their phone and say something. That doesn't qualify them because they show up on a little bright box. And because millions of people believe them. Anyway, the Bible says in John chapter 8, verse 32, you will know the truth, and the truth will keep you free, make you free, and it will keep you free. And the truth is the truth of God's word. That's why you can filter it. Um, I, I've never dealt in counterfeit money. You should say amen to that. I don't work with counterfeit money. That should bless you. But I've heard stories on identifying counterfeit money. Maybe you've heard the stories as well. That when people, back when we used money, the cash, remember? <laughs> anyway, um, they would say, how did people identify counterfeit money? Because it looks so real. And, and the lesson or the teaching that I used to hear was you put people who deal with real money so much that they can feel the counterfeit money as soon as they touch it. Do you understand? That's what we're saying with God's word. You spend so much time with the truth that you can feel a lie. Even if it looks like truth, even if it looks real, even if it looks like it's going to spend well, you, something, something feels wrong about this. But how did I know that? Because I spend a lot of time with truth. I spend a lot of time with God and His Spirit. I spend a lot of time in the Word of God. And that statement they made, it doesn't feel right. Amen? Open your Bibles to the book of Psalms, chapter 1. Psalms, chapter 1. How else do we fight the spirit of the age? First of all, well, not first of all, but we spend time in God's word. We spend time in truth. That's how you fight the spirit of the age. You can't fight it with fists. You can't fight it with just human, human wisdom. You spend time with truth, and you're fighting the spirit of the age. But another thing you can do is this. In Psalms, chapter 1. Go to Psalms. Are you getting anything out of this? Psalms, chapter 1. Verse 1 through 3. Oh, the joy of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners. Uh, the King James, I says, doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful. So, oh, the joys of those who don't follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join with the mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord. There it is again, spending, spending time in truth, meditating on it day and night. You or they are like trees planted along a riverbank bearing fruit in each season. How many of you want to bear fruit in every season? That harvest season is every season. There can be a famine in the world, but it's harvest season in the body of Christ. Amen? And they prosper with all they do. Who wants that one? Come on, what if you're... What if that promise depended on your faith right now? You want to prosper in all you do. If you want that, say amen. amen. Prosper in all you do. But the Bible tells us here, there's, a, there's some things we have to do. You got to start identifying the scornful. Start identifying the naysayers. Start identifying the doubters. Start identifying the liars. Those that are against God and stop spending time with them. Stop inviting them into your living room and eating dinner and having dinner with them every night on the television. 
Are you understanding what I'm saying right now? How do you fight the spirit of the age? Be careful who you let pour into your heart. Be careful who you let pour into your heart. Because not everyone in this world that has an opinion deserves to have that. Well, I guess they are free to have their opinion, but they don't deserve your heart to pour out their opinion in. You need to be careful of who you let pour into your heart. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, write it down. The Bible says, above all else, guard your heart. It is your heart. It doesn't belong to them. They don't have free reign to come in and spit in all the lies and the fear and the, the doubt and the, the offense that's in them. You, you need to guard your heart. You need to say, you know what, I'm, that's not where I'm going. I don't need that in my heart right now. I don't need that. I'm not just talking about the, like, uh, the news right now. For some of us, let's boil this down into a little more practical sense. You know, you're working on something between you and God. You're working on a miracle. You're believing for a healing. And every, there's certain individuals in your life that you're like, I'm believing for a healing, and they just want to tell you about everybody who died of that thing. You know what? You need to guard that heart, right? And say, I'm working on something. I can't have that being poured into my spirit right now. You know, we're working on something as a church right now. Did you know that? We're working on seeing what God has for Calvary for the next 20 years. And there's people that I want to bring you back into 10, 15, 20, 35 years ago and into this, into this reason, this excuse, this reason. This. So you know what? I don't need that in my heart right now. I'm going to work on what God has us working on right now. And I'm believing for better things. I will not sit in the seat of the scornful. I will not submit my heart to that doubt, to that unbelief, to that past. God has a hope and a future. And we're moving forward. We're moving forward. Are you hearing this? But the, the enemy loves to just pour out his opinion, pour out his fear, pour out his doctrine, but you have permission to shut the door of your heart and say, I'm not having any of that. I'm not having any of that. Amen. Now, before we get into our final section, let me just say this. You do walk and engage in this world. So I'm not trying to make you a bunch of weirdos that are like, I can't go out to dinner because there's you know, people that don't know Jesus out there, or I can't go to the amusement parks, or we can't watch Netflix, or we can't, can't do anything because you're afraid of, like, letting stuff in or whatever. It's not what I'm trying to say. You have to engage in this world. You have to meet people. You, you have to go out. You have to, you have to make friends, and some of them aren't going to know Jesus, and we want to bring them to Jesus. We want them to see the light in your life. And if you don't make friends with people who don't know Jesus, and they're going to have opinions, and they're going to have things, but you just have to guard your heart in the middle of those conversations. And, you, and, and they can have all kinds of thoughts and opinions, and that's okay, because it's not going to move you or bend you, because you know the truth. But you can be around. Are you understanding this? Because then they get this other doctrine in people's heads and they're like, I can't talk to anybody, I can't go anywhere, I can't go to the movies, I can't go to dinner, I can't do anything. I just sit home and, and just pray and do nothing. I don't want to do that either because the world needs you. The world needs you. Uh, let me use this final illustration and then we'll go on to the last part. Um, and not everything that you put into yourself is going to be like Bible and God, 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 God. Like Pastor Kevin, is it okay if I watch a Christmas movie? Yeah, don't you know? Yes, but it's not talking about Jesus. I know it's fun. Watch Hallmark Channel. Many of you have already started watching it. 
right? You started it like early October. Don't tell anybody. But it's almost after Thanksgiving, it's, it's okay. Listen, I will say this though. Uh, some of you like music that isn't all gospel music. You're like, oh, it doesn't all sing about Jesus. Some of you like, you know, some old songs, right? You can be honest. How many, some of you like some songs that aren't all church songs. <laughs> some of you are like, I don't know what I'm supposed to say right now. I don't know. If I started singing some journey songs right now, some of you would be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> don't stop believing. Yeah, come on now. I caught you, I identified you, bunch of sinners. No, just kidding. You are saved by grace, you're not a sinner. You are saved by grace. You are saved by grace, you're not a sinner. Listen, <laughs> but I did catch you now, right? But you said, Pastor, you started it. I know, I know, I know. Listen, I will give you this recommendation though. Um, it's like food, like nutrition. Not everything has positive effects on you, but it doesn't have a negative necessarily, right? Like watching a movie, maybe a TV show, maybe, or something. I would be cautious to say, it, you need to make sure you're spending enough time feeding yourself godly nutrition. And then every once in a while, if you have a, a zero-sum zero nutrition thing, it's not going to affect you, right? You understand what I'm saying? So what I'm, what I'm trying to communicate is, like, you're sitting there listening to secular music all week long, you're, you're watching secular television all week long, you have 80 hours of non-God stuff, that's not feeding your soul, that's not feeding your spirit, right? You need to eat your protein, you need to eat your vegetables, you need the vitamin C of Christ, you need the Word of God, you need time in the spirit, you need time in worship, you need time with Christian fellowship. You need time and study. Make sure you're, you're getting strong in the Lord and in the nutrition of the Lord. But that'll also help you identify unhealthy things. Right? And so just make sure you're balanced with those things. Last thought, final thought, lower nature. There is a lower nature that we struggle with, but I want to give you encouragement today. There is a lower nature that we struggle with. Romans chapter 6. Go to Romans chapter 6. Right. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. Ready? Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism? We joined him in his death. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may also live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We, we know that our old sinful nature, our old sinful selves, were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Somebody say amen. We were set free from the power of sin. So in combating your lower nature, number one, realize you are dead to sin and sin is dead to you. Sin is not greater than you. Amen. It is dead and you are dead to it. And that's what that Bible was saying. He was saying you have died to sin 
It has no more mastery over you. It has no more dominance over you. And so by realizing that, we won't make it more powerful than it is. We can just say, no, that's not me anymore. Right? But when you think you're still trying to battle it and battle it and battle it, the way you battle it is by realizing that you're dead to it. This doesn't fit on you anymore. You're alive, that's dead. It doesn't fit on me anymore. Amen? Also, in fighting your old sinful nature, realize that you are lacking nothing. You're, you're not deficient in any way to defeat any temptation, any attack, any sin that the enemy would try to bring towards you. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, His divine power, God, has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You have every weapon you need, you have every strength you need, every tool you need to live a godly life. You don't need something else. It's all in there. Amen. The tools, the, the weapons, they're all in there. You just go back in there and get in with the Lord and say, Lord, help me use these tools to resist the enemy. You don't need something else. You're not deficient. Sin is not your master. You can get victory over this temptation, over this. You will get victory. You will overcome it. It will not be your dominator. It will not mas uh, master you forever. I want you to see the victory. I want you to see the freedom on the other side. Because when you're just in the middle of it, you think, I'm always going to struggle with this. No. No, you will not always struggle with this. You will outgrow it. You will outmaneuver it. Just like we said with the hazards and the traps, you're going to begin to see it coming and you're going to take that step around it and it's not going to do to you what it used to do to you. But part of it is by shrinking it back down to a defeatable enemy rather than an undefeatable bondage or addiction. Amen. You have everything you need that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who's called you by his glory and virtue. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 says this, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. I want to help you realize today that it's not just you trying to overcome your old nature, but God is in you helping you overcome that old nature. Isn't that beautiful? Sometimes we so judge ourselves, like God is so mad at me when I'm struggling or wrestling with my, that lower nature. But the Bible says here that God is helping you to want to win, and he's helping you win. Lean into God's grace. When you're struggling and when you're fighting that thing, run to God, not run away from, don't run away from him, run to him. He helps you both to will and to do. Will and do. This is not you trying to make yourselves holy enough, trying to make yourselves good enough. This is God in you, helping you to will and do his good plan. Identify the traps and the hazards and begin to avoid them. Let me give you just a few practical steps and we're going to close. My friends, as God is helping you win over your lower sinful nature, identify traps and hazards. Let me give you a couple of examples. Old hangouts that you used to go to, maybe don't go there because it's too familiar and it sets you up for failure. So it's a practical thing. Stop hanging out in those old hangouts. There's certain habits and certain patterns that you may have set in yourself, um, certain weekly habits, certain things that you would do in your week. I heard one time that you can't just stop an old habit. The only way to defeat an old habit is to replace it with a new habit. 
Are you hearing this? So if you have a habit of calling the same people that would take you down the same path, you're going to have to start calling some new people that will take you down a better path. Start a new habit of what you do on a Friday night, what you do when you get your paycheck. Some people, when they get their paycheck, they were in a habit of going certain places, cashing it in, and then blowing that whole paycheck all weekend long, doing things they shouldn't be doing. Come on now. And maybe you start a new habit where you get that paycheck and you put it in savings and you tithe first, hallelujah, and then you go do something good with people that want to do good. There's some strategy in this. There's some strategy in this. Start setting yourself up for progress. Start setting yourself up for success. You become like the people you hang around. So you might need to start identifying the spirit of the people you've currently been hanging around and you might need to identify some different spirited people and start making some connections. That's why I love this, that we have new people party coming up. That might be something that you can do to meet some new people. Why? Because it's a new people party. And it'll help you meet some people that want to do some good things for God. So I love our equips classes on Wednesday night. You can create a new habit of what you do on a Wednesday night. Rather than going home on a Wednesday night and just doing nothing, vegging out on the TV, why don't you come once a week and study the Word of God for an hour and a half. Learn about Jesus. Learn about the Word. Learn about truth. Meet some Christian friends or come in here to Calvary Praise and learn how to pray. Learn how to stand in the Spirit and do a good warfare. Amen. We have some wonderful ways to create some new habits and meet some new people. I just want to say one last thing over you and we'll close. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. It was quoted earlier today in service. It says this, you are more than a conqueror. What I love about that, you may not feel like a conqueror. It doesn't matter what you feel. In Christ, you are more than a conqueror. You've already defeated that sin. You've already defeated the devil. You've already defeated the spirit of the age. You've already defeated the lower nature. You are more than a conqueror. And I love that because you're not just a conqueror, you're even more than a conqueror. There's not even a word to define you. You're such a conqueror, we have to put the word more than because conqueror is not enough. You don't just barely win. You are more than a conqueror in Jesus' name. Whether you feel it or not, you are more than a conqueror. You might feel defeated, but that's not even who you are. You're more than a conqueror. Amen. Go ahead and stand. Let's close in a word of prayer. Let's give God praise for his word this morning. Would you celebrate that today? We praise you, Lord, for your word. I'd like to pray this into your spirit, and then we're going to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Savior. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word and learning who our enemies are, some of our enemies, and learning some weaponry and some tactics to overcome and to avoid temptation and traps and hazards and God we're just thankful today we're thankful that we win this war we've already won we already win the battles and we've win the won the war and God I thank you that today there would be such a faith and a confidence that's breathed into this house Lord we thank you for who you are and we thank you for what you're doing in our lives we thank you for the victory in Jesus name if you agree with that say a big amen amen all right, let me ask you a question. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible goes on to say that the wages and penalty of that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. 
The Bible goes on to say that all who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so today I want to ask you a question. Have you called on the Lord Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? If you cannot remember a time in your life where you made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, let's do that today. Or you might say, Pastor Kevin, I used to have a great relationship with Jesus, but my heart's grown cold. I've run away from God, and today I would like a restart, a fresh start with Jesus. In just a moment, I'm going to have you bow your heads, and when I count to three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and we're going to pray for you right at your seat. But if that's you today, and you need to call on the Lord to save you for the first time, or you want to make a fresh commitment to the Lord, we want to pray with you and get you started today. But everyone bow your heads for the next 30 seconds. Say, Pastor Kevin, that's me. I've never asked Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior, or... I would like to restart and recommit my relationship with him today. If that's you, on the count of three, raise your hand. Ready? One, two, three. If that's you, put your hand up. There's a hand right there. There's a hand back there. Awesome. Anybody else today? Put your hand up so we can see it. Let's get right with God. A third hand over there. Fourth hand over there. Awesome. Anybody else today? We go through the crowd. Fifth, sixth. Anybody else? Seven. Thanks, man. Awesome. All right. Would you all pray with me today as we pray and these receive the Lord? Repeat this prayer after me, would you? Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize I've sinned and I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take every part of me now. Be my God. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you celebrate those seven? Maybe you prayed that prayer online. Praise God. Welcome home. Welcome home. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.